Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be discussing the topic of keys for corn stock grazing. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Mary Dronowski. Thanks for joining me today, Mary. Oh, happy to be here, Aaron. So as we record this podcast, there's some folks who are starting to combine corn across the state. And when you look at the state of Nebraska, we've got a lot of corn acres and those corn acres can provide some pretty valuable residue for beef cattle for grazing as we look to the fall and winter. As we think about doing that, there's some things that producers need to be aware of and think through as they utilize this resource. Walk us through some of those key things that we need to pay attention to as we think about grazing cattle on corn stock residue. Well, I think the first place to start is always to think about well, how much feed is really out there in the field. And, you know, we can, we can estimate how long we think the grazing is going to last based off of the corn yield because the corn yield is tied to the amount of residue. And we know that we want those cattle to be able to be fairly selective and select the husk uh, and some leaf in their grazing. And essentially, we boil it down to for about every 100 bushels of corn, we can graze a cow for a month. Now, I say that. And uh, we all know that the extension answer of it depends, <laughs> probably should be put in there somewhere. Uh, it seems like, you know, sometimes uh, we get out of, let's say, rain, for instance, while we're out grazing and they trample a lot of forage into the ground and we may need to move sooner than we predicted. We also see that depending on, well, the way it was combined, if they cut the stems really low, they may lose a lot of the really good residue to wind, uh, and thus we may need to move sooner than we predict. So in my mind, I think we can use the 100 bushels for one cow for one month as a starting point, but getting out and scouting the field periodically is going to be very important to determine when to move. I think that's a great point, and there is a tool that's available, the Cornstock Grazing Calculator. This is an Excel-based spreadsheet tool that's available at the Beef website where you can go in and based on bushel yield, based on the size of the cow or calf you're going to graze, it'll give you an estimate of the grazing days that you would expect. And again, this is a ballpark number. As you said, I think it gets us close, and it's a fairly conservative estimate. Um, when we look at bushel yield, Typically, we're thinking about 16 pounds of leaf and husk material per bushel yield, and we're going to target grazing about half of that. But it's the thing you just said. There's often some management things that happen, whether it be how that crop was combined, the, we have a stock chopper on the combine, uh, when that corn stock residue is grazed, obviously wind and the material deterioration can occur. So those all need to be taken account as we think about grazing days per acre. Give us some more perspective a little bit on what we should expect in animal performance as we think about grazing corn stalks. When do we need protein supplement? When do we not? What goes into that? Well, um, of course, class of animal is probably the biggest uh, factor. But for most people who are grazing those uh, mature, non-lactating, spring-calving cows, if we don't uh, run into a, a problem with residue availability, i.e., we have enough husk and leaf available, they can graze pretty much all winter without any type of supplementation and be able to maintain body condition score. So if they go in at a good body condition score, say a five, 
and we stock at the appropriate rates, we should be able to get by without protein supplementation. However, that again depends a little bit, one of which is, uh, of course, if we lose residue to one of those two factors we talked about or something else, we may need to start supplementing. So watching body condition scores is extremely important. The other thing to think about is that when the cattle go into the field, right, they have the highest quality feed available that they're going to have because they start selecting the most digestible stuff, i.e. the corn that's on the ground, if there is any, and then the husk. And then they have to start supplementing themselves with some leaf. And if we leave them too long, they'll even start eating some cob. So they start at something that's maybe 70% TDN, and they're going down to something that's maybe 45 TDN. So if you're going to leave them on longer than we recommend, at the point you get past our recommendations, the point you're going to have to start supplementing. And I would argue, yes, you need to start supplementing protein, but you probably also have to give them some energy. Now, the Stillers does both, and it's not a bad way to go. Uh, but I think we really need to, to consider how we're managing that field to determine what we need to do. I think that's a great point. I think it's also important to remember on these spring calving cows, when they first go on, they're probably late second trimester, uh, maybe just starting their third trimester. So calf nutrient requirements in terms of what's growing within the cow is really going to ramp up, especially the last 50, 60 days prior to calving. So we have a scenario where quality starts high on the corn stalks and then is on a decreasing plane of nutrition where that cow's nutrient requirements are also increasing. So it's almost the opposite of what we would want, right? Because that cow is getting geared up to calve and her nutrient requirements are on the increase while the forage out there is on the decrease. I think that's important to pay attention to. I think the other thing I just would make a comment is if you've got plenty of stocks available, uh, using a lighter stocking rate, moving the cattle faster through that available resource, you're going to have those cattle on a higher plane of nutrition. And so that can be another way to manage that resource and get the best out of it if you have quite a bit of corn stocks available to you. I think both of those points are, are extremely important. And one thing that I know some people do beyond the idea of just stocking maybe at lighter rates and moving more quickly is also just thinking about, well, what if I go ahead and, and I stock such that during the first half of the winter, I'm grazing on a field and then I move to a new field. So at least during that late gestation, they do have some higher planting nutrition rather than starting at a set stocking and stocking them for all winter. So the idea is to try to better match. You never completely match that increasing plane of nutrition uh, in this case, but at least you can give them a little boost in, in their plane of nutrition later in the season. The, the challenge with that is if, uh, let's say January, uh, some locations tend to get a little bit more ice and some years you end up not being able to use stocks so you don't get to pick all the best stuff out of some of the stocks if you go with that type of a system. Yeah, I think that's a great point. There's some risk with that approach as well. How about for calves on stocks? We obviously have a lot of weaned calves in Nebraska that are coming out of cow-calf operations or situations where people are bringing calves to the state to winter those to go into either a feed yard or go on a summer grazing program. What can we expect with grazing calves on corn stocks? Yeah, so uh, again, we can predict how much residue is out there. We can decide on an appropriate stocking rate. But the key thing for people to remember is that 
weaned calves on stocks, they have to have both energy and protein supplementation. And again, distillers is a great way to do that. Um, and in your article where you talk about keys for stock supplementation, you talk about providing two pounds of distillers uh, per head per day of dried distillers, that is, to get about one pound a gain. And I think that's a that often will work as long as the weather is, is not horrible. If we get a lot of uh, precipitation, in particular, uh, getting wet coats, sometimes we'll see they don't gain quite as well. If we want to target higher rates of gain, you know, we can get up to a pound and a half to 1.7 pounds of, uh, per day of gain by going up to five to seven pounds of distillers. So we can basically program feed. Every year it won't turn out exactly on just depending on how the weather goes, but I can tell you when you put the math to it, a lot of times it's a very cheap way to feed cattle over the winter. Mary, let's talk a little bit about downed corn and doesn't know what's going to happen this year yet. Obviously, there's most of the corn standing in the field yet, but some years we can have a scenario where we have a lot of corn on the ground. Help us think through some strategies to manage that scenario if we find ourselves in that situation. Well, downed corn is one of those that's probably um, the biggest challenge to using residue, in my opinion, because it takes management to be able to utilize that corn residue appropriately. And in particular, uh, everybody knows the risk of acidosis in founder. I think what we don't really think through is the long-term effects if we get some of those, say, subacute acidosis. And so sometimes they're like, we'll just try to rough them through and they'll probably be okay. Uh, nobody died. Um, I wouldn't put that as my threshold criteria. <laughs> so to me, if, if I know I have a field that has a lot of down corn, there's kind of two approaches. One is to go ahead and tap those cattle to corn. So start by feeding them some lower levels of corn and working them up to 10 to 15 pounds of corn per head per day before I turn them out. So go ahead, get that rumen uh, ready to be able to use that corn. And then you really significantly lower the risk of having adverse effects on those cows. The other way to do it would be to limit access to the corn residue. And in particular, that means limiting access to the corn so you can adapt them while they're out on the field. Most people don't like to do that because it takes uh, more labor, right? Because I got to move fences. But one of those two approaches should be used. Uh, sodium bicarb in the water or in the mineral is not a good approach to eliminate acidosis. I think that's a really risky decision. Uh, another option would be to try to use something like an inoculant that has the bacteria that we're actually creating by adapting them to corn. It looks like it's probably a fairly good way to go, but it's fairly expensive. And you need to essentially inoculate them and get them on a high corn diet right away. Uh, you can't inoculate them and wait a couple days and then turn them out because those bacteria won't be there anymore. So I guess that's kind of a third way to go. And some people have used it and been very happy with that type of a method. So it's a little bit more risky, but it's probably, if you don't want to do the first two scenarios, the third one probably is that. Mary, any other keys that you'd like to highlight as we point towards wrapping this up? Well, I think, you know, we talked about 
mature, non-lacting spring calving cows, which is probably the majority of corn residue use. But we have a couple other groups that we didn't really talk about, one of which is those first calf heifers. And you can graze them on corn residue, but they should be supplemented. Don't put those first calf heifers in with those mature cows and think they're going to get by just fine. Um, and in fact, we need to be shooting for something like three and a half pounds of distillers per uh, first calf heifer on stocks to meet her energy and protein requirements. And so I would say that that's during that, essentially that last part of the trimester. So I would have them separately and go ahead and supplement them while they're out there. The other group is fall calving cows. There are some people, especially in the eastern part of the state, that have started fall calving herds and have fall calving cows out on stocks. And those pairs do need additional protein and energy. And that's probably four to five pounds of distillers per head per day. So per cow per day, I guess I should say. So those groups have different requirements and they do require supplementation. I think those are really good points, Dr. Janowski, especially thinking about understanding the class of cattle and the nutrient available to us. Obviously a dry cow that's mature, that's uh, mid-gestation has a lot lower nutrient requirements than something like a two-year-old who's still growing herself or a cow-calf pair, especially a cow that maybe actually breeding on stocks. So those are two really totally different animals in terms of their nutrient requirements. So understanding the class of cattle you have, understanding their nutrient requirement, and then thinking about how that matches up with quality of corn stocks is really key to making sure that we meet the needs of those animals. My last comment, I guess, would be to think about having, you know, having that backup plan, right? So uh, what if we do get an ice event? You know, other standing forage seems like they can graze fairly well even after ice, but corn residue is particularly susceptible, I think, uh, to those ice events and those cattle not being able to get their full intake for the day. And so going out and supplementing at that point, whether that be providing a concentrate or whether that providing a hay, they need to provide some additional feed if we get ice. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Thanks, Aaron. For more information on corn stock grazing, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. We do have an extension circular on the topic titled Grazing Crop Residue with Beef Cattle. This is an excellent resource that walks through and discusses many of the issues that we talked about today. Also wanted to let you know again that the Corn Stock Grazing Calculator, which is an Excel-based spreadsheet, also is available at the Beef website. Also, if you like to use apps, it's available there also and can be downloaded through the website as well.